0: Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on John, Believe. Good morning, Cross family. My name is Rick, and we are continuing in our series on John. Uh, Last week, uh, Tim took us through John chapter 12. This week, I'll be going through John 13. Uh, The last uh, week that Tim spoke through, uh, the part that stuck out to me the most was Uh, the narrative of Mary anointing Jesus' feet at Bethany, washing his feet with uh, this perfume that costed nine months' salary, which is something tremendous. It's something we have a hard time picturing. It so impacted Jesus that he said wherever the gospel is preached, that event would be talked about. And today I'm going to be focusing on an event that is uh, a little more shocking than even that one, where instead of the materials being used uh, being so valuable it was the person that did the feet washing that was so tremendously valuable and so uh... we'll be talking about uh... where jesus washes his disciples feet uh... the commandment he gives uh, later on is uh... he says a new commandment i give you love each other as i have loved you uh... if you love each other like this everyone will know that you're my disciples All right? and so uh... the main point that i'm hoping to make today that being the main text but the main point Is that as we learn, as we practice loving each other as Jesus has loved us, paying attention to that example that he gave us, it is in the process of loving others as Jesus loved us that we grow in our awareness of our dependence on God, which is the source of our joy, right? The the joy of the Lord comes from knowing how dependent we are on God, how much he loves us, how able he is to take care of us, and it is in those stretching times of really learning to love others as he loves us, where our awareness of our dependence grows, right? So there's, uh, before um, we get into uh, the significance of the foot washing and that scripture I just gave, very early in John chapter 13, there's a really interesting sentence that uh, John includes. And it lists three things that Jesus knew, that he was aware of. Uh, One is that everything had been given into his hands. Two is that he knew that he was from God. And three, uh, it says that he knew that he was going back to God. And it's really interesting, uh, the wording of that. After those three things, it says, so he, and then it goes on to talk about in detail how he actually washed their feet. So that's an interesting thing. Those three pieces of knowledge that Jesus had made the natural result to be him engaging in the spectacular example of love of his people those three pieces of knowledge and so i want to unpack those i want us to um kind of explore how those were empowering to him how versions of those can be empowering to us as we're learning to do everything that jesus would do in our position specifically love each other as he loved us right so uh this this first thing is that he knew that the father had given everything into his hands And that is something that I don't think any human can easily imagine, right? We're so used to struggling just to keep everything afloat. Uh, Everything that we have took plenty of work to get. We're always struggling to keep things going. Um, And the idea of things being just given into our hands, having a ton of control, is hard to imagine, right? Immediately, we might go to an example of someone super wealthy, like Jeff Bezos bought the most expensive house in LA a few weeks ago and it, I don't even think it took one percentage point away from his net value. I mean, the guy is tremendously value, uh, wealthy, and that being said, not everything is in his hands. There's plenty of things out of his control. Uh, we're all really learning how fragile human beings are as we're dealing with this virus. Uh, I think within last week, the president was being optimistic and hoping that we could kind of have some sort of resuming of natural activities, going to church by Easter, this type of thing. But Dr. Fauci pointed out, we don't make the timeline, the virus uh, makes the timeline, right? So even the richest guy around, not everything's in his hands. The most authoritative person in the country, not everything is in his hands. It's hard for us to imagine a situation like this. And uh, I think that imagination is actually going to be really important in all of our discipleship work. Uh, And so I'll lead us through a little example here for a second. But the other day, Tim and I were talking about the difference between being told what to think and being taught how to think. And I'm going to really encourage us to think like this. Being a disciple of Jesus takes some of the most biblically-centered, imaginative work we're going to do, right? To ask, what would Jesus do in my position with increasing knowledge of Jesus, increasing knowledge of ourselves, Increasing knowledge of what it is good to do for people. It's gonna take a lot of work, right? And so I think that as far as anything being really in a person's hands before the biggest example I think that's easiest for me to connect with is uh, the movie Groundhog Day, which I'm absolutely about to spoil if you haven't seen it I recommend seeing it if you haven't a lot of people who have seen it are saying that is my life right now Every single day looks the same Um, I Forget what day it is forget what week it is but in the movie Bill Murray is this journalist who uh, is disappointed that he's not working on big news stories. He's an irritable guy, uh, very selfish, and he is sent to go interview local people in a town to get their comments from whether or not the groundhog saw his shadow. They had this big event. He thinks this is a ridiculous waste of his time, and he's just an unpleasant guy to be around, right? And so he... Um, He wakes up the next day to find out that everything is going exactly the same way that it did the day before. And this is the whole premise of the movie. It continues to keep doing that every single day. The first day he thinks someone's playing a trick on me. Eventually he realizes he knows the future of this day. He is, everything is giving into his hands to some degree. He knows exactly what's gonna happen. He can totally manipulate circumstances to go the way he wants. And so it doesn't take long for him to get really excited about this and indulge all of his selfishness and whatever. And so he finds out when the armored truck is gonna stop and when the guard turns his back and when he can easily walk off with a briefcase of money. Uh, he meets a lady in town and just every day will ask her different questions like, what high school did you go to? Who is your chemistry teacher in 10th grade? This sort of thing so he can connect with her, act like they knew each other in high school. and he. Just does everything he can to make this little world his, to interact with it in a way where he gets everything he wants. And it doesn't take long for him to get really bored with that. And I think that's really helpful for our imaginations to know, even if we did have everything we wanted all the time, we would get bored just living for ourselves, right? And so he does that. Uh, After a little bit of time there, he he falls into despair. I mean, like he gets really frustrated. I'm not going to go into detail, but at one point, he tries to kidnap the groundhog and then drive off the cliff in his car, right? So he falls into despair after this. And so after his selfishness, after his despair, realizing that he's stuck in this thing, like he's going to keep repeating this day, he finally comes to the conclusion that there is no better way to live than to serve. And so his character begins to transform. And so he's much less selfish, uh, much more focused on other people. He begins to notice this homeless man who goes hungry and so he feeds him at night. And then when this guy keeps having a heart attack at the same time every night, he's doing CPR and his life shifts from being totally selfish because everything is in his hands into him doing everything he can to being a blessing to everybody around him because everything is in his hands, all right? Uh, I think a lot of us spend most of our time thinking, if I could just have what I want, if things would just work out the way I wanted to, I could be more loving. And I think it's really helpful to know um, things aren't going to be absolutely in our hands, but they are in Jesus's, right? Everything is in Jesus's hands. And that's one of the reasons we can have the confidence uh, to love as he loved, to do um, what he would do if he was in our position. So, um, secondly, uh, a major source of Jesus' mentality that caused him to uh, love his disciples in the way that he did was knowing that he was from God. And, obviously, Jesus is in a way, uh, from God in a way that none of us are. Like, he's the substance of God. Uh, in John 17, it's going to talk about how he and God were together since before the beginnings of the world. I mean, like, there's ways that Jesus is from God that outdoes us without question but I think that there's a few ways that we really don't take seriously enough that human beings are from God, right? So the original creation narrative in Genesis talks about how God, or God created people in his image, right? I doubt any of us have internalized that to the point that we really should. This is a very empowering, uh, very important thing to know is that in a very real, serious way, human beings are from God And it doesn't matter what your religion is, doesn't matter what your gender, race, wealth, whatever, being made in the image of God is something that comes with being a human being. And of course, Dallas Willard talks a lot about how in our current state, human beings are ruined. We are in a ruined state. We've imploded around our own selfishness. We can be driven by ideas that are not true and hurt us and lead us away from God but at our core, we are made in the image of God. And there's few times more important to remember that and take that seriously when we're, than when we're in the situation we're in now, when there's, there could be scarcity mentality, when there's uncertainty, when people begin to get afraid. The natural way that humans, it's a survival mechanism, we tribe up, we get with people similar to us and trust in that group for our sustenance and protection This is what life would be like if there was no God, right? We would trust in our group to be our identity giver, to be our source of protection, significance, all of that. And as one Christian thinker said a long time ago, anytime you make an idol out of something, if you idolize something, even if it's a good group of people, you have to demonize others because now it's based on comparison. It's not in relation to who God says you are. We're no longer paying attention to the fact that we're made in God's image we're looking to become in the image of the group, right? And this misses out. We're certainly not gonna be able to love enemies in that case, and even within our tribes, we lose confidence, and it becomes a competition of who is most worthy to stay, this type of thing. But when we get our sense of identity from God, being made in the image of God, we'll have the ability to love others as Jesus loved us and really uh, continue to, um, to deepen that awareness. Now, the reason I I say it's so important to remember that is because if we've had the news on for any amount of time, fear plus a struggle situation like we're in right now causes us to be less patient, less secure. And I'm telling you, the the thoughts that I've had go through my head when I hear that some social media influencer started the lick the toilet bowl challenge, right? or when you see an NBA player touching every microphone, or when you hear of senators hearing this thing is coming and selling their stock, the amount of anger that happens to me and probably so many others throws the belief that they're made in the image of God out the window. I'm not saying people shouldn't be held accountable. We need that, for sure. People should be held accountable. But the scripture says that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I'll tell you, I have to catch myself in those moments being just, exasperated and frustrated uh, not going to a place of just absolute condemnation and forgetting that the reason that they are valuable at their core even if they're acting really destructively is the same reason that i am valuable at my core and this is that human beings are made in the image of god this is more a sign of who god is than who we are um we've said this oftentimes that uh, jesus loves us not because of who we are but because of who he is. And if we can't accept that God loves the people we can't stand the most, we cannot accept the kind of love that he has for us. That being the kind that is from him because of his character, not because of ours, right? And so we're gonna have opportunities for sure to redirect our lens and remember um, the value that human beings have, us and others as Thing, as our patience is taxed in the in the coming weeks. But this is going to be a really uh, important thing to realize that a fundamental and core thing to believe is that humans are from God, right? Even if they don't have a relationship with them. Now, that being said, of course, we increase in our fromness uh, from God, right? As we get in on Jesus's mission, as we become his disciples, we are sent. Uh, the cross Loganville has said for a long time that our goal is to reach, teach, train, and send. Dallas Willard says that without Jesus you can do nothing, but if you do nothing, you will uh, be doing that without him, right? And so we're sent in, in, a, in a way as we uh, get to know more and jump in on his mission. And then finally, uh, the third thing, Jesus knew that he was going back to God. And uh, we say around here uh, that we need to have eternity in the backdrop This is exactly one of the things that helped Jesus get through the things that he endured, but also to be as loving as he was as he was enduring them, right? So the scripture says that uh, it is because of the joy set before him that he endured the cross, right? It's because of what he knew was coming. And so uh, we're in a situation where I really hope we don't waste the opportunity of being disappointed. Um, I'm not trying to be playful with that at all. I know that and some people, some people have lost relatives, but everybody in this country has been disappointed to some degree, right? Seniors learned yesterday, the school year's over, right? And that is really disappointing to them. People's retirement savings are, took a major hit, right? A lot of people have vacations canceled. Different things they were looking forward to have either been extremely delayed, possibly canceled, and this is an opportunity to do the thing we need to be doing all the time. I mean, I think this is really in keeping with Tim's definition of repentance, to upgrade your source, right? To repent is to consistently rethink your thoughts, ask what is driving me, what am I looking forward to, what's giving me my energy, what is my aim? And in these moments, we're realizing how frail people are, we're realizing how little control we have over things, and it is an opportunity uh, to make sure that the thing we are truly looking forward to the most is being in eternity with God. Now, that being said, um, there's a Catholic uh, philosopher who passed away a few years ago, really like this guy. His name is Peter Kreeft. And he named something that all of us have experienced. We kind of know this in our head, but he really told stories about it. But he mentioned that um, knowing your destination, knowing your aim affects every step until you get there. And so he uses the example of being in a luxury situation, being on a cruise or something, everything is just fantastic. Everything, you know, is very, very comfortable, but you know that your destination is an execution, right? I mean, like, you know this ends badly. It ruins all the time coming up from there, no matter how pleasant it was moment to moment. And the opposite is also true. We can live in really uncomfortable, trying, rugged conditions, but if we know this is for the sake of getting to a destination that is ideal, we don't count the suffering anything to be counted, right? It totally transform, transforms our experience of going to there. And so this is one of the most empowering things about um, knowing that our destination is to be with God. I also think it really helps to know that the best thing about heaven is God's presence. And the best thing about earth is God's presence, right? Uh, so us, like, I mean, millions of Americans had plans change big time. Uh, and the other night I was thinking, it's, you know, disappointing that we're not going to go to the beach like we planned on doing. Then I had to think through it and say, well, what's your favorite part of the beach? And the answer is being with the family. Okay, well, you're with the family now, right? So it's not going to be on the sand. It's going to be getting into the little fort that Candace made for Ricky and me and him setting up cups and shooting him with a Nerf gun. But that's going to be fun, right? It doesn't have to be the location. It is the presence of the people you love that's the best part. And this is always true about the presence of God. God is more enjoyable than all he has made. And so our destiny, like what we're developing is character that actually allows the most enjoyable thing in the universe, the presence of God, to become the thing that we actually do enjoy the most, right? And that opportunity is here no matter what. I talked to uh my small group assistant last night um and I asked how are you finding peace to this whole thing? And he said something really smart as a young kid, young teenager, Josh, and uh, but he said, I've noticed that in hindsight I can generally guess what God was doing, right? So like when he's saying is when things get better, I generally think, I can tell what God was doing there. And I thought it was really brilliant. That's helpful to know. It's very similar to what A.W. Tozer said. And that is, he says, when I realize that everything that God allows to come into my life is to make me more Christ-like, it gives me way more peace. Right, And so, and encourage us, know that even beyond that thing you were looking forward to so much, and maybe it won't get canceled there will be plenty of wonderful experiences on earth in in the coming years for sure but that being said what blows them out of the water and what would heal any disappointment is our actual ultimate destination of being with god manifestly and having the character to really enjoy him and so uh, again jesus knows that everything was given into his hands everything's not given into our hands but because it is given to Jesus, and he has all authority in heaven and on earth. That is one major reason we can feel confident in following him. Secondly, Jesus knew that he was from God, like for real, right? Um, John 17, it describes that in a very real way. Every human you deal with is, is from God. We're image bearers. C.S. Lewis says the holiest thing you will ever see on this side of heaven besides the sacraments is your neighbor, right? None of us probably understand the amount of respect we should have for ourselves and other people simply because we are made in the image of God. And then finally, uh, Jesus knew where he was going back, right? He knew his de- destination was to go to God. This is ours as well. So we can have that peace of the mind of Christ in us. And then finally, um, what does it mean to love others as he has loved us? Um, I think it's really Really difficult for us to understand um, how shocking it would have been for him to uh, wash the feet of his disciples. There's business books about servant leadership. Um, It's not that abnormal for our culture um, to think of this sort of thing. But it's helpful to remember that Jesus generally has this effect, right? Jesus is such um, such a massively wonderful figure that when he interacts with something that's really stigmatized, it tends to redeem the thing greatly. So for instance, you've heard the Chuck Norris jokes about, you know, recently he gets coronavirus, but now coronavirus is in quarantine because he was with Chuck Norris, all right? Jesus is very similar to this in ways where, for instance, the cross before Jesus gets done with the cross is the most horrific symbol and it was meant to be. The Romans meant for this thing to put fear in the hearts of anybody that would resist them. Um, whenever I see like a guillotine, that thing with the blade comes down and chops somebody's head off, like I just get Ugh, you know, like that grosses me out. That's like a humane version of executing. I mean, that's the goal of that thing. The cross was meant to be the absolute opposite, utterly terrifying, uh, to maximize the pain of someone involved and to display them, to scare everybody, right? The cross is this awful thing Jesus doesn't just die on the thing and ends up redeeming this symbol to where it becomes jewelry for us and we name churches after it. Um, He began by saying, The prerequisite of following me is to take up your cross, right? So Jesus is such a magnetic, such an awesome figure that when he deals with something awful, he redeems the thing, right? It's similar in foot washing, where at the time this would have been unthinkable. Nobody wanted to do this job, it was absolutely awful. But when Jesus gets done with foot washing, uh, he, he redeems the thing. We can't imagine how shocking it was at that time when he did that, right? But you can tell from the way Peter reacts <laughs> that Peter was more uncomfortable with this. The disciples were more uncomfortable with this than Jesus was, for sure. I mean, like Jesus um, is about to wash Jesus' feet, and Peter gets almost a little hostile. I mean, he actually says, you're not going to do that to me. He'll never wash my feet, right? This is how horrified he was that Jesus was going to do this. And so what? I, loving others the way Jesus loved us doesn't mean finding the most conspicuous way of shocking people and serving them. But I do think that it includes serving in ways where it is obvious to us um, and possibly to others that the goal is not to get human approval. The goal is not to increase our social standing. Um, The goal is to get in a position to let God's love flow through you and that be the thing that we depend on, otherwise we're not going to be able to do this thing, right? Um, This is what I was talking about earlier. The main point being that we learn our dependence on God when we have to depend on God. And and loving neighbor as uh, Jesus loved us is the type of discipline that will put us in contact with where our strength fails and where our hope fails, and we simply have to rely on God uh, in his help um, to be the thing that helps us in these situations. Um, The other night, uh, we had our small group meeting, and uh, I've kind of sensed this for a lot of people, but it really struck me that we, we got into the part of our conversation where I asked, can you guys think of a reason to obey Jesus If there wasn't punishment, if there wasn't, you know, pain of some sort from not obeying him. And this to me is a sign of a real problem. No one could think of anything. I mean, there's like some vague answers, um, but nothing concrete enough that would really help us make obedience to Jesus our life's work, right? And so I think that's a big deal. We need to think about what is the payoff for obeying Jesus if not scoring points with God, because we can't, right? He already loves us more than we're gonna understand. It's not to compare ourselves to other people. That's pride, right? We're not doing this to feel better about ourselves, because God's love for us is always going to be a better source of confidence. I would say that Jesus has the motivation to obey God and we should have the motivation uh, to obey Jesus from seeing his example it aligns our character to become like his character which helps us keep in step with him more jesus who is utterly um attached and in the the form of god character wise because he's the image of the invisible god jesus says at one point that he has food that the disciples don't know about it is to do the will of the father i want you to think about the idea of the reward itself the energy itself coming from obeying god what does this mean it means that Jesus loves God with such passion, with such skill, that to not be utterly attached to God would be painful, right? I mean, it's it's he's not focusing on how can I keep from sinning, how can I keep from falling out of God's will, or something like that. He's focused on keeping the gap absolutely closed, right? Talking about loving God so much, Um, that he's not afraid of disappointing him he's afraid of not being absolutely attentive and cooperative with him this is a passionate life this is one where we're we're very well resourced um to live that he's really created us to live so um i'm going to pray and we will go into a time of worship um lord we need reminders i think more than anything um this is, we, we might say the, see this and say, hey, these are pretty decent ideas. This seems like something good, but life is such a whirlwind and we get so distracted all the time. In addition to feeling, I don't know where to start. So God, I pray that you would just increase the reminders of, uh, of this opportunity to follow you, to become aligned with your character, um, to not be afraid of knowing our dependence on you, but understanding that is the path to joy is increasing our knowledge of our dependence on you pray that you'd give everybody a tremendous sense of patience and kindness in the next um, week, that you would help us see our goal as keeping in step with you, becoming who you would be in our position, even in very uh, strange circumstances. Uh, We love you. We'll talk to you soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, We hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, become fully alive in christ yeah we want to see you committed to christ we would love to see you connected to others in a small group and we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of christ through uh sharing your faith uh, as well as financially investing in the work of god that's right and so we pray that you're growing that you're striving forward there's so many resources on the website you watch past messages your testimonies from people we pray that You utilize those, and we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day, and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.